there is only one true way to be enlightened and entertained with the best sports knowledge. That way is the American way. Welcome to the American Way podcast. Here's your host, Amir. Assalamu alaikum. Welcome. Happy Friday, everyone. Whether you're whether you're in the mood for Donna Summer or in the mood for that annoying Rebecca Black song, it's Friday everywhere for you all. So happy Friday. Uh, tonight we got a great show planned. I got my my good friend Daniel House of Gophers Guru. He's gonna stop by. First of all, just wanna let you guys know something that's uh. The new music, uh, the the music I've been banging out to this uh, this past week. I uh, was watching, getting a chance to watch rewatch Into the Spider Verse, and I listened to the uh, I listened to the album, and it's it's just really dope. You listen, there's like there there are a good decent six or seven songs on that album that just bang. But to be honest. The one song that the one song that I've just been having stuck in my head all week is "Scared of the Dark." I think it's by Lil Wayne. I know, I know, he's a Trump supporter. Screw him, whatever. But yeah, so Lil Wayne, uh, Ty Dollar Sign, and the uh, the the late XXTentacion. So I had that song stuck in my head. I don't, I don't know, I don't know if you guys are like this, but for me, when I hear a song. I just have to hear it over and over and over and over. It's like the the earworm just keeps biting, so I have to hear it over and over and over again to to get rid to get rid of the earworm. I know it sounds it sounds weird, but that's just how, that's just how my brain works. But yeah, music's great. Music's great. I mean, the whole that whole album is just just bangs. You have uh, Denzel Curry is awesome. You had, uh, of course, everyone knows Sunflower. Of course, uh, Malone and Sway Lee—they're awesome. You got the that sick that sick song with uh, with Nicki Minaj, uh, Familia. It's pretty good. Yeah, that it's what I what I really noticed is a lot of there's a lot of good movies have to have great soundtracks, and I, I don't I mean the, the scores need to be good. Don't get me wrong. A lot of good movies you need scores from like the, the classic John L. Williams score, da, 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 that 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 all that whole bit. But if you have a a good movie, you need to just have great music in the background. So I really felt like this album, the Into the Spider Verse soundtrack, that I got a chance to listen to full in, in full length. It's really really awesome. Another another quick note here before we get to my guy Daniel. Just uh, had a lot of people, uh, people around me recently, who've either who've contracted COVID. So just wanna let you guys know, you guys just be be careful out there. I just hope everyone's safe out there, taking good care of themselves, taking good care of your family members. Some really serious stuff out there. So just take take care take care of each other and just be smart. Listen to what listen to what the experts are saying. 
just try, try and be courteous to others. Uh, all right. Thanks. All right, we're back. I had a I had a good I had a chance earlier today to speak to my good friend, actually someone I consider a massive inspiration for me starting this podcast in the first place. Uh, Daniel House of Gophers Guru. Uh, he's an amazing writer. More importantly, he's just an amazing person. He lives, breathes. He lives, br- eats, and breathes, and, and analyzing football. He's just he's just the best. So enjoy my conversation with Daniel House. Well, thank you so much for your time. Hey, thanks for having me on, Amir. Anytime, anytime for you. Uh, I know you you obviously have to rush to, to that press conference in a little bit, so I don't want to take too much of your time. But again, I, I do appreciate you joining me here. It's a real pleasure. Always love coming on, Amir. So let me, let me, start, let me start with this. I mean, uh, the the Gophers are a team that's they, they're like Jekyll and Hyde. Like when they're at home, they're just playing really well. Uh, you read you wrote a really magnificent article on Gophers Guru uh, the other day about this. That at home they're spreading the ball really well. They're they're, they're playing great defense, and on the road they just can't they just can't buy a win. I'm just curious to get your thoughts on that really quick. Well, Amir, you na- hit the nail on the head. I mean, it's there's stretches of games where the Gophers move the ball, they share it, they distribute it, and they play active defense. They're able to push the pace a little bit. Some of these games, they're settling for jumpers, rushing shots, and that's when they get into trouble. It's, it's led to double-digit losses on the road, particularly early in the year. And you watch the game against Indiana. I thought the first half of that game, they actually played, put together one of their best performances. They were tacking to the rim. The guards were contributing. Like the first 30 points of the game, 26 of them were contributed by guards. Mashburn attacking off the dribble. Trey Williams attacking off the dribble. Marcus was getting some good looks and facilitating. And then second half, you get into the mode where you're settling for deep jumpers, taking too many threes, long shots. You know, this team is not built to be a heavy volume three-point shooting team, but yet they are. They shoot more threes than any team in the Big Ten. They're one of the worst teams in the country in three-point shooting percentage. So it comes down to you've got to figure out how to maintain that level of consistency for a full 40 minutes. And when you're not shooting the ball well, you have to make up for it on the defensive end. I know a lot of people thought that the Indiana game was all about the offensive end. I, I thought that game was lost on the defensive end. In the second half, the perimeter defense, bad closeouts, not communicating well on defense. That that lost the basketball game for them. Of course, the offense didn't really, you know, it went into a big lull, but it's it's the whole package, and this team has to play good defense when they get into those shooting routes. Yeah, I think you hit, you hit it on the head. I think two, uh, two thoughts to expand upon uh, on what you said. I think the defense, I agree with you, the defense really struggled in the second half. So I think it's the, the absence of basically their two best defensive players on the court really hurt them. I mean, Liam played, but he, you could tell he looked, he was very ineffective uh, defense, defensively. And probably your best defensive player was not, was not, was not, not in, in action. So that, that really, that really hurt them, I felt, against Indiana. 
But one one thing that really just really bothered, uh, not bothers me, but just astounds me in these games is even the games that they win is they're really good first half team. But in the second half, they're just really poor. Like they just, for some reason, they come out of halftime and they just they just uh, flounder. It seems like there's adjustments made by the opposing team too. Maybe a little zone or they play somebody a little bit differently or approach screens uh, in, in a different way than normal. I mean, it, it all comes back to you just have to play a full 40 minutes of basketball to win in the Big Ten. You can't play 20 minutes of quality defense. I thought their defense, honestly, Amir, in the first half, I, I didn't think it was all that bad. I thought it was active. Actually, when they had Isaiah Enan and Sam Freeman on the floor together, I thought they played really great defense in the in the front court there. So it comes back to maybe you have to divvy your minutes up more. I mean, Freeman seems to be athletic, more athletic than I thought. And he was walling up. He had a steal. He had a block shot. And, and he only played, I believe, like six minutes in that game. And all of them came in the first half. So it comes back to you got to rotate some of these guys in, get in minutes. This is the time, like you said, with Liam and Gabe out, obviously impacted things. But you got to have the guys ready to come in and step up in those situations. And uh, the Gophers just first half, they thought that there was honestly a possibility that they might win that game. But it all it all went back to reverting to the habits where you're shooting threes and you're just not really playing active, strong communication on defense. Yep, you're exactly right. That. They need to they need they need to come up with adjustments going forward if they want to get out of this hole and how to make adjustments. You can everyone can find your analysis of the Indiana game and other Gophers games on GophersGuru.com. I've been following you and we've been we've talked off air about this just how uh, how exquisite your writing is. I want you to take me back to the just how you got GophersGuru started and just obviously it's it's pretty successful right now. But I'm just curious if you could take me through the process of getting it set up and just to the point where it is now. Well, long journey back to when I was 16, starting my own website, Vikings Corner, just writing articles. A lot of mentors helped me along the way, got better, kept writing, covered events, built my brand up, did everything that I could to improve my ability to understand the game of football. Uh, writing, you know, you're reading stuff all the time. You're trying to learn different tricks and figure out how you write best and tweak that so that you can really find your niche. And over the course of time, doing Viking stuff, working with goverhole.com for a while, covering some NCAA tournaments, Final Four, Super Bowl, getting a lot of valuable experience, then finished school at the University of Minnesota, Hubbard School of Journalism, Mass Communication, Decided once I got done with school, obviously things changed with the pandemic, and I felt like, you know, why not try this subscription model? So basically built it up in July. Uh, it was a couple of months of thought process going on, working with a buddy who did some web development. We collaborated together, tried to come up with ways, talk with a lot of people, mentors along the way about how to approach the model and the best way to build it all up and took a lot of feedback and now just taking a different approach to go for athletics is the way that I have 
basically developed the philosophy of the website. I want to provide in-depth content that others cannot provide. I mean, a lot of writers are limited by, you know, word counts and the types of articles they have to write from a news perspective where I can come in and watch a game and really take that next level look, talk to the coaches, process everything. I've found, you know, for a while, of course, game stories are productive and people, some people like to read them, but, you know, coming in with that in-depth article, thinking about it, looking at the plays, going back, you get that perspective. You, you look at the data, you talk with the coaches, and, and you find trends and things that show up that wouldn't if you just wrote directly after the game. So, you know, trying to find that balance of doing unique in-depth content features, uh, blending in uh, numbers, analytics in a way that people can understand it. I think that's one of the skills that you have to learn is how do you simplify things down so people can understand them. And that's one thing that I've spent a lot of time working on. How am I going to make someone who has no clue, for example, with football, what a three-technique defensive tackle is, how am I going to explain what that player's responsibility is? And when I'm using numbers, how am I going to be able to portray what the formula is supposed to do, what it tells us, and the implications it has, and possibly how it can change the way you watch football. Mir, I mean, I, I watch football so much differently than I did even four years ago. I mean, it, it my, every day I feel like I learned something new about how to approach the game differently, and we're in an era now where the game of football has is starting to even modernize more and there's new wrinkles all the time and people are understanding the game from different perspectives and you're getting coaches who want to embrace that, which is exciting. It definitely is. I mean, full disclosure, I, I, I have my own subscription and the two things I've found the most enjoyable on the website, number one, how you incorporated all the data and not, not just to throw, you don't just throw numbers, but how you incorporate the numbers that you gather into the, the into the large scale this, uh, uh, thing that you're trying to explain to the audience as, as a whole. And then I also enjoy the film breakdowns. How you how you break it down. I feel like you're so articulate using data and just using what you're able to observe on the field uh, to, to your to your general points. I just love I just love how you're able to do that. Well, I appreciate that, Amir. That's something that I work very hard on is trying to pick out the details and, and continue learning, reading books, getting those skills that you need to evolve because the football business is always changing. You have new concepts all the time, new wrinkles. Players are coming in and out. Players are, I mean, it, right now with the NFL draft, you're, you're looking at guys all the time. Just uh, I do it during the football season, just taking notes on players during games that I watch. I, I'm always, my schedule's always full in the fall, that's for sure. And uh, I just love the ability to interact with people on the website. $5 a month subscription gets everyone access to the, to the premium content, which is, like you said, the analytics, the in-depth breakdown, the features, anything that you want about Gopher Athletics and trying to take a different angle, uh, but also some of the coverage that includes some of the coverage that everyone is accustomed to over the years. Definitely. I think everyone should go out and 
subscribe if you haven't already. Uh, moving on to covering the draft and just the Vikings, and we'll get into some Gophers football later uh, in a little bit. But moving on to the draft, I was t- I was arguing with some people. Um, I know you you've talked about you yourself have analyzed potential third receiver options for the Vikings, and I was my my general philosophy that I was arguing arguing is that a lot of GMs when they're drafting receivers, they go for speed. They value speed mostly highly. And I feel like most the GMs, most front offices need to do a better job of just evaluating how receivers run routes and how they separate how they separate. So I feel like if the Vikings I don't know if the Vikings should take a receiver at fourteen, but I think if they if they did they should take uh, Jalen Waddle for that reason. I'm curious to get your sense on just, just not even just the, for the first round, but just that general philosophy. If if I'm onto something or on something. I agree with your philosophy, Amir. You have to value the intricacies of the position because everything steps up a notch, and speed can win at the college level. I mean, if you've got dynamic athleticism, you you you're you're going to get open, and in the NFL, it's a whole different ball game just the scheming, the type of player you're going up against, uh, you're going to get pressed more, it's going to be physical. You have to run good routes. You have to know how to vary the tempo of your routes, coming in and out of breaks smoothly, setting up your routes, understanding the coverage that you're going up against and how you run your specific route into that. Uh, that's why when I'm looking at receivers, it's, it's my favorite position to evaluate. I want the guy that can run routes at a very, very high level. You you see it on film, whether guys have it or not. Jamar Chase, I think, you know, everyone's got a little recency bias here. They're, they're forgetting about the 2019 season that Jamar Chase had. His route running, his ability to make contested catches, the body control, uh, he's the complete package. And I think everyone is, is – somewhat sleeping on them. NFL teams, I don't think that's the case, but I, I see some guys that, that, that are all in on Chase and they're like, this guy is going to be a complete stud. And then you got other people who seem to be valuing him a little lower. And I honestly, I look at the, the, the top of this class, like you said, Jalen Waddell, another guy who has the explosiveness and the detail aspects of the position. Uh, I wonder how Devontae Smith is going to, translates to the NFL in a way he kind of reminds me, I was talking to somebody about it the other day, of Anthony Carter, his skill set and how he he could fit in the NFL. Uh, It seems like lately there's been a lot of draft analysts pushing him down the boards a little bit. And I think that's interesting. Is it a sign that he could possibly fall significantly? Vikings-wise, if they're at 14 and there's a good receiver there, I would not be opposed to them making that pick as always I'm a firm believer in you pick the best player that is available at that time and you and you go for it wide receiver if you're dynamic at that position you already have Jefferson you already have Thielen you need a third guy to take some pressure off both of those guys it's a lot more difficult to double Jefferson when you have three dynamic weapons and then that gets Thielen some opportunities too and favorable coverage matchups so what do you look at? I mean, I think it's, it comes down to detailed route running, explosive players. I'm a big fan of Dwayne Estridge from Western Michigan. He had a big senior bowl. 
dynamic guy after the catch, but runs great routes. Actually tra- uh, recruited by P.J. Fleck at Western Michigan. Uh, so definitely learn the base fundamentals uh, from that coaching staff. And Tutu Atwell from Louisville, another guy who, when you watch the film, route runner, explosive player, gadget guy that you can throw the ball into in space, get him some mismatches, and uh, he's going to just create a lot of uh, dynamic plays in your offense. I'm looking at at explosive players that the Vikings can add in the in the offense, and that's I think that could come with later in the draft because there's a lot of talent uh, in deep 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 uh, deep talent at a lot of positions in this draft. I agree with you. I think if they don't go, I I don't know if they should at 14, but I think they have at at this moment they have about seven picks between round three and four. I think they should take at least one in the third. I think I I agree with you. I love Eskridge, his potential. I think he would be very good in the pros. Another guy I like, and he's not as fast as his college teammate, but I like Trayvon Grimes. I think that could be another option maybe in the fourth round. So yeah, I think I think you're right. A, a receiver like Eskridge or or Grimes or even uh, Atwell, if they took somebody with that with value and upside in the middle rounds, that would not be such a bad thing for this team. Yeah, it's it's all about how the draft board shakes out. And I always think people take too much stock and we're sitting here months away going, okay, if a receiver falls, are the Vikings going to pick him? Well, it's so dependent upon who's on the board when you're on the clock because you need to not only look at possibly filling a need, but is this player just too talented to pass up? And there are situations where that happens. I do not think the Vikings are in a position where you absolutely are pigeonholed into taking some guy because you absolutely need it. I think that's when you get into trouble as a general manager. You have to take the best player that is going to come into your team and provide value instantly. And I I know Christian Barmore at 14 has been a lot of discussion. I think he's the best three-technique defensive tackle to come out in a while. I think he's going to fit very, very well in in a 4-3 defense. Mike Zimmer's scheme would be fantastic. Provides value as a pass rusher and a run defender. Played through some, you know, he he played multiple uh, different techniques in that scheme as well. But three-technique is going to be where he is thriving the most and with you know I'm starting to dive into the three technique defensive tackles especially those guys on the late stages of the draft you know like you're talking like day three players in my opinion you got to try to get someone in the first couple of days here I know Osa Odigizua from UCLA is someone that grabbed my attention at the senior bowl 84 inch wingspan 34 and eighth inch arms explosive can get extension, leverage inside, uh, someone that has, is flowing under the radar slightly that could be a perfect one-gap penetrator in uh, Mike Zimmer's defense. And Jalen Twyman from Pittsburgh, another guy who has slipped through the cracks, possibly could be uh, an option on you know in the second or third round. It's just so hard to project values right now at this stage. But the Vikings, I, I came into the process thinking that, well, you know, the Vikings might have to take a three-technique defensive tackle early. I just think that they have to do it 
possibly in the in the second round. But in the first round, if they had fallen in love with Barmore, uh, I think that would be a slam dunk pick. It all comes back to stopping the run in there. That's the big issue with this team because you got to get opponents in the long downs, and that's when Zimmer's defense thrives because he can send blitzes and move guys around, disguise things, play more physical on the perimeter with his coverages. It all centers around not being in a situation where it's second and three and the team can use play action, they can pass the ball, they can run it, all the options open. Early down success drives offense, and so stopping the run has to be a priority. With Michael Pierce coming back, you got to get a three-tech and then add some more pass with Maybe Quinn Page, your guy, an athletic freak that you can develop with Andre Patterson. I mean, the way that guy moves is absolutely ridiculous. Some of the workout videos, uh, I would, I can't even imagine having Hunter and Quiddy Pay coming off the edge, and then maybe you look at a three technique like Osa Ojigizuwa later on. I think you're right. you're 100 percent right. I think the best, I think the most pressing need in the first round is a, some a defensive lineman. I think there's so many options. I think. Personally, I agree with you. They need to stop the run, and they need a three technique. But I don't know if any of those options are the best at 14. I think the prime scenario, there's like four or five guys I, I really like that could all be available like in the mid-20s. I think that and they don't have a second-round pick currently thanks to that Ethan Gawkway trade. I think mm-hmm. a, a scenario I'm really liking is trading down from 14, getting a second-round pick back, and grabbing one of those four guys. If they stay at 14, I think the two, I don't know if, I, I, I know you love pay and I do too. I think the only two options make sense at 14 are pay or Gregory Rousseau. But I think if you wanted, if they wanted to go uh, specifically an interior defensive lineman, there are like four options. I think Barmore will still be there in the 20s. Uh, the kid from Washington, Levi, I like him a lot too. Uh, like uh, 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 I like Carlos Basham. Uh, I like Carlos Basham, Basham Jr. a lot. I also I kind of like the Marvin Wilsons. I think that there's four or five guys that could be available in the mid 20s that you could get if you move down say eight or ten spots and regain your second round pick. I like your take. I've said that for a while as well. If you, you can recuperate, I mean, if you look at the trade value charts, it might be close to getting a second-round pick if you move back, uh, you know, but also you have some mid-round ammo that you can use to move up and get some guys that you potentially want. I would say, yeah, trade back if you if you want to, if you like how the board's shaking out, you want to go defensive tackle, you can find a team that possibly – is getting worried about a quarterback going off the board, they they might want to come up and get ahead of some teams. And I think at 14, you're at that point where that's definitely going to be an attractive uh, pick for a team that wants to, you know, when there's if there's a run of quarterbacks, which I think there's going to be ahead of the Vikings, there's going to be teams calling up and saying, hey, now we want to we want to get your pick and. You play hardball and try to get a second-round pick. If the, you can get a late one, the values might uh, work out for you. And I would rather have volume of players in the first three rounds than, you know, just getting one guy and then waiting and not having another pick until 
the third round, if you could possibly do that, it opens up a lot of flexibility. And, and Rick Spielman has shown the willingness to do that on a consistent basis. If they feel like they want to trade back, want to be aggressive and go up. I mean, I, I just think they have a lot of, of mid-round ammo, too. I, I, I think it doesn't mean that you have to trade back to recuperate that second-round pick. Vikings have options. You have future picks you can trade. And I know a lot of people forget after the draft last year, you know, Vikings moved around a ton in like the fourth, the fifth, the sixth round. And Spielman, after the draft wrapped up, he said, hey, we're going to have a lot of picks at our disposal. We felt like doing that now and possibly getting some big value gives us some options to move around for guys next season. And that's something that a lot of people forget. I mean, you have two third round, two third rounders, three fourth rounders, and two fifth rounders. Definitely a lot of ammo to move around in any of the any of the rounds throughout the draft for players that you're passionate about. Will there be a different approach this year, Mir? Because when I look at things, I talk to people around the league. I get the sense that teams are going to be more aggressive for guys they like because this evaluation process is so different. No scouting combine. You're doing pro days all over the place. You're limited with how many people can go in. They haven't been able to go around the schools a lot. So I ask myself, is this the year where teams don't pick as many guys? They go, okay, we're just going to use the ammo that we have to move up for people that we feel confident and strongly uh, want a target. And I think that's something that fans need to keep, to keep an eye on. That's an interesting point. Yeah. I, I, I guess it'll be interesting to see if the Vikings change their, I know the change their mentality, you know, last year it was a similar situation and they decided to accumulate. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, before I let you go, uh, we'll, we'll probably talk uh, free agency closer to that time. I'm uh, mm-hmm. just curious to get your general, your general sense, of where uh, the landscape looks and it looks like yesterday it was reported that the salary cap will go up a little bit, maybe between 185 and 188 million. There's a lot of news, a lot of things the Vikings will need to do to improve. I'm just curious to get your, your general sense uh, heading into things a few weeks out. I don't see them making a splash financially. It just doesn't work out. However, this is the year you've got to take the Captain Munnerlin, Linval Joseph approach. And I remember writing an article like before that offseason going, okay, this is the year that you have to target young guys with upside who are on the cusp of their prime and maybe haven't unlocked their full potential yet. One of my favorite names, Roy Robertson Harris from the Chicago Bears, played a lot of different techniques in that defense. Three technique defensive tackles still feels like the best position for him. Not a, you know, he didn't play a, a lion's share of the snaps, but when he was on the field, was very disruptive and productive. I was digging through his film pretty extensively the other day, and I went, man, this this guy would be just a perfect fit in the defense, and he has an Andre Patterson connection as well. Uh, Andre coached him. Uh, in his first season at UTEP when Andre was was coaching out there. So there is a connection to Roy Robinson-Harris. He could play, you know, he could kick out uh, to defensive end in a pinch. He can 
play him at three technique defensive tackle, which is where I think he projects best. I don't think he was a great fit uh, in the Bears defensive scheme. So a guy like that could potentially be a bridge gap if you don't take a three technique right away. If you Even if you do take a three tech and you want to ease that guy along, Ray Robertson Harris could be a nice stopgap player. Akello Witherspoon, a player who was selected in the third round in 2017, up and down career. I think he would fit better in a scheme like the Vikings rather than playing so much zone and breaking on the ball and, and you know, using some of his physicality more. I mean, his athletic testing metrics, his size, his explosiveness are really good. Uh, I don't think his potential has been fully unlocked, and he'll come cheap. You can use him as a rotational guy in the secondary and possibly see if, if there's something there because there's a lot of gas left in the tank. And then I think Keelan Cole from the Jacksonville Jaguars, punt returner, dynamic in that area, awesome receiver as well, underrated, runs really good routes. I remember uh, watching some film leading into the Vikings-Jaguars game and going, man, this Keelan Cole guy runs some really good routes. And he's also fantastic at adjusting to the football-making last second adjustments in traffic. And you got the uh, Keenan McCardell connection now. He coached him at Jacksonville. Now he comes up to Minnesota to coach the wide receivers here. Keep an eye on Keelan Cole as potentially a wide receiver three option for the Vikings. All of those signings are feature a lot of uh, value, upside, and still guys in their primes that can that can you know develop with good coaching, and that's what the Vikings need to do in this free agency cycle. Don't don't worry about needing to get a big fish signing. Try to get these guys that have upside. I love it. I couldn't agree more. I think you know, the more depth, the better. Young young guys with upside. And I remember Robertson Harris. He had a couple of nice games against the Vikings in the past. I know he's been he's been disruptive against them. I agree with you on Witherspoon. I think the issue with him in San Francisco was they didn't really know what position to play him at. They played him some some at safety and some at corner. So the interest. I think you're right. He fit best in this system. And of course, Cole. I mean, I've read a lot about him in the last just two days. I think he'd be a nice signing too. So the, it'll be interesting to see what the Vikings will do. Uh, Daniel, you, it's been great. We'll have to have you on again, closer to free agency and then uh, closer to spring, uh, spring practice for the Gophers. You've been a, a true inspiration for me starting this podcast in the first place. Uh, I, pre- I appreciate your support, and uh, thank you so much for coming on. Amir, happy for you, man. Keep working. Keep doing this podcast. People, listen to Amir. Give him some support. Reach out interact with him. He's working really hard and I'm excited for him to continue doing this podcast and gain some experience interviewing people, discussing his takes, and then sharing those on social media for people continuing to grow his brand. So Amir, keep it up, keep working. I'll be happy to come on again and talk soon. Likewise, likewise. Everyone follow Daniel as well on social media and uh, please go and subscribe to Gophers Guru. Daniel, Daniel knows more about football than most people I know. So your your friendship and your support is uh, is really of value, my friend. You have you take care. Thanks for having me. No problem. Thanks again to my main man, Daniel House. 
please go if you if, if you haven't already and subscribe to Gophers Guru. It's just five dollars a month. It's the same price as a frappuccino. If you're gonna drink that frappuccino or that latte, you can afford Daniel. He's amazing. Uh, he just rolled out a, a, an analysis this an, an analysis fresh off the presses this afternoon, comparing first and second down tendencies of the Gophers uh, football uh, offense last season and how that can. Uh, how that how that could impact how the offense runs uh, in twenty twenty one, so please go and subscribe to Daniel. He's just the best. All right, one thing I was alluding to with my in my conversation with Daniel, that I thought about waiting upon waiting to expand expand upon till we get close till we get closer to the draft, but just one thing I just want to I don't want to not necessarily flex or brag, but I feel like I was right about Justin Jefferson. The dude's the dude just balled last year. He he broke Randy Moss's all uh, all time rookie receiving record. He's just he for, for over fourteen hundred and sixty yards. This guy he, he was just phenomenal. But I'm gonna say I expected it that. And the one thing I one one criticism I have for NFL front offices is I feel like a lot of them when they look at receivers they don't look at them properly. You always have the first receiver off the board. Be somebody who's speedy. You had it like a decade ago with the Raiders. The Raiders always do this. A decade ago, a decade or more ago, they took Darius Hayward Bay. He never ended up living to potential. You have there's so many, so many drafts that this happens, and this happened last year. That the first guy off the board, Henry Ruggs, who went to who went to Las Vegas, he had barely 300 yards receiving. Uh, I liked I liked Jerry Judy a lot coming out of Alabama. But uh, I felt he's he's a very polished root runner, and he had his moments. Uh, Ceedee Lamb was okay, but I I just felt when I watched LSU with Joe Burrow and with Joe Brady running that offense in 2019 for the longest time, I just felt Justin Jefferson was going to be a star. And the reason why is I just I analyze these things. I look at how receivers how their tendencies. How they go? How how they approach to running their routes, and also more importantly, I look at how a receiver, or if a receiver is able to create a separation, because a lot of guys they have their they can they're fast. There's a lot of there's a lot of receivers at the college level and the pro level that are fast, but can you be able to can you can you be able to to crack a uh, to to crack a route that's being jammed by a corner? Can can you be able to go over to go over a corner? And 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 grab the ball, uh, I just felt like Justin Jeff- Jefferson was doing those things really well, and I was really surprised that he was the fifth receiver taken. It's like, cause you look at you look at the receivers drafted before him, only only Judy had a really good year, his rookie year, Ruggs and and uh, Lamb. I guess Lamb, you can't blame it totally on him. Dak missed most of the season, but Rugs, Rugs, namely, and he, and then the guy taken one pick before Jefferson, Jalen Jalen Rieger. I just those guys, it's, they're fast. They're very fast. But like to be a really successful receiver, there's just a lot of things you need. I, it drives me nuts. And we're gonna see it again this year. We're gonna see my guy Rashad Bateman. He's gonna he's gonna get plummeted down the draft boards just because he's not fast enough. If you see this all the time, and it's just frustrating that I 
And I, I just knew it. I knew it about Justin Jefferson back in October 2019, the first time I saw, the first time I saw him play. I just knew it that he would be the best, that he would turn out to be the best receiver in this loaded 2020 uh, receiving receiving class. And that's why it's just, it's just the fact that there's certain, not even just at the receiver position, but just analyzing football. And Daniel can explain this well. Other guys that we'll have on eventually can can help me try to articulate this better. But I feel like there's just certain there's certain tendencies or cer- certain uh, skill sets that that probably are not valued as highly as they should. And it's, this is not exclusively to football. It's not exclusive to to wide to, to the wide receiving position. It happens in all sports. Like basketball. In, let's look at basketball for example. Another another gripe I have is I was talking with somebody the other day. Is that you, a lot of times people think if you have if you lead the league in rebounding or if you have if you have ghastly rebounding numbers that you're a really good defender. But a lot of times you see a lot of rebounders that they're just they're compromising on defense. They're they're compromising, and they can. They get a they get a large capat they get a large number of rebounds, but not they don't always uh, really c- cover their man individually. I think now I think in order to be a great defender, you need to be a good rebounder. But I think you can be a good rebounder and not be a good defender if that makes sense. Like you look at guys like DeAndre Jordan and Andre Drummond, that they're getting like thir- 12, 13 rebounds a night. But you can just tell like they're stat stuffing. It's like they're not, they're not really good at at covering their man. So anyway, just we'll we'll continue to talk about this eventually. Just about the various quirks, various irks and quirks from each sport and each position that just drive me nuts. That I feel like a, a lot of people just don't pay attention to. And I'll I'll do my job to try and help you guys analyze these. All right. Thanks again to Daniel House for joining me. Uh, we got we had a great show. Uh, hope you guys hope you guys are keep uh, follow me on Twitter at at Skiumiko. Uh, hope you guys continue listening. We got some great stuff coming. Thank you so much. Assalamu alaikum.